Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. Oh, wow. We're back um, at the top of the hour. Uh, This is Scott Bradley. I'm on with Sam Bushman, uh, your regular host at these hours in the morning. And Brad Good is with us, and we've been discussing the past hour, and I, I, I'm confident that many have been with us uh, for that whole hour and, and don't need a great deal of exchange to be able to get it, but perhaps some are vo- uh, joining with us at the top of the hour. So although there has been so much, I mean, just in that little news break that I would love to talk about and uh, discuss at great, day, at great length, but... Uh, but Brad Good is uh, has got a, uh, uh, I guess you'd call it a movement going, uh, called the China Declaration. It's a, uh, it's an effort to kind of push back, if you will, to uh, retake the initiative of um, where China has been removing not just uh, our economic uh, power and strength and and uh, status, and hurting our economy, but I mean not. Just in China, and, uh, it's all over the world. It's happening all over, and and uh, he's got a uh, China Declaration. He's calling it the China Declaration. You can get to it at thechinadeclaration.com and review uh, some of the documentation they've got there of the egregious violations that China's involved in, and they're taking a, a kind of a pushback, which, to me, it's a very Americanist perspective where every American and every individual all over the world, literally, has a right of uh, being able to choose their own path. And I think from what I'm getting as I re- review what's here is that we as individuals uh, can not only sign the petition, but also recognize that uh, the way we do business in the world and the, the pressure we put could be effective in in bringing about change and the uh the program that the uh the big guys if you will in china are trying to do i kind of asked uh brad a, uh i don't know a, a tough question I, it wasn't tough it's just a, it was bad timing on my part at the end of the last hour and uh so i just threw it back over to him and boy, we were at the end of the hour, and so he got kind of squelched on that. And so I'd like to throw it back to Brad right now and just ask Brad, uh, I mean, give us your thoughts about some of the things we're discussing before the hour ended, and as we start this new hour up, we might kind of shift a little bit after you've done that, and maybe Sam's had a word or two. Sam always has a word or two about something. I know that from working with him. But Brad, what what do you think? Well, we, we left off, and I think the question precisely was, how do the Chinese feel in China? And I'm, I'm in a unique position in that I, I used to help a fund invest in companies in China, so I had to go pretty much everywhere. And um, my wife is Chinese. <laughs> so uh, the Chinese in China, the, the sense of family is very, very uh, cherished. And going back home and being with family is there's nothing more important uh and it's it's admirable uh i think in america that's fallen apart to some extent um uh china it has 55 recognized minorities right so there's a lot of diversity in china but it's within a certain band um but those so those people in china are happy 
they fear the government and they just be careful and they move on with their life, um, not wanting to rock any boats because life has gotten better over the last 20 years. Uh, the people with money in China want to get out. And that's why uh, it used to be that you could do this program and invest 500000 in America. And as long as you, you hire workers, you could, you know, you could get a passport with your sort of investment. There's a 17, over 17-year wait for that. All these people want to get in. And I would argue that we should let the people in who want to bring their money from China. It's hard to get your money out, but if you can bring your money from China and come to America, we should let those people in and we should change our immigration policy. There's about 35,000 people, I think, that were allowed to immigrate in any one year as opposed to those coming through the border. And it's even a strategic initiative to let in the smartest and the brightest because we can take those away from China. So that's a lot put together. Um, and I do have one China-related question for both of you gentlemen um, whenever I have a moment next. Yeah, so well, let's let do that. I think you. you're right about inviting these people to come to America. I'm not an anti-immigration guy. I'm an anti-illegal immigration guy. Yes. But if we can yes. bring people for the right reasons and do so legally and lawfully and appropriately where they don't end up on the dole and, and look for socialism handouts and everything else, but they want to bring something to the econ the greatest economy in the world and they want to embrace free market principles, I'm all yes. in to let anybody yeah. in the world do that in an organized way, right? Exactly. You know, there but, could not be... The, yeah, I was going to say the question may be, though, how long will China, when they have this brain drain and this economic drain, sooner or later they're going to say, hey, we're, we're hemorrhaging. I mean, you know, look at Gavin Newsom in China. I mean, to China. Yeah, it's, that's a Freudian slip, I guess. In California, I mean, they're trying to stop companies from leaving California because people are saying, holy cow, we can't afford to do business anymore. So we're seeing this in the States. How long is China going to put up with that approach to things I, when I, they see their I, brains I, leaving? I would like to find out, to be perfectly honest. I think yeah. we should get the smartest and the brightest. If they have money, they can come here. They have something to add to the country. Wonderful. And you know what? It'll become known amongst the Chinese, right, that, oh, gosh, America is letting more people in. Yes, let's go. Let's go. It's good. And it sort of diminishes the whole, whole perspective of the party, right? It's psychological warfare. Well, and if we all let that be on the national, uh, international stage for discussion and reality of who we are, we promote the principle of liberty and contrast it with the, the principles of tyranny. Why are people leaving in droves coming to, to liberty? Because they start to yes. get it, they understand. And we can teach the, the gospel of Jesus Christ along the way. We can give people freedom and opportunity along the way. And yes, the communist Chinese will shut down. And yes, they'll get, as Dr. Bradley says, but when they do, it just highlights the narrative even further on the international stage. Let it happen. Um, but right. we're ready for your question, uh, sir. Okay. So my question, gentlemen, and to all the listeners is, who is the U.S. ambassador to China? What is his or her name? And the, the fact that no one has the answer to that question, his name is Nick Burns, uh, is, is, is another reason, another sort of reason to question, why are we even there? What do we even get out of these these uh, the, the CIA folks in China did not inform us not to invest in the Wuhan lab. They did not inform us to tell the airplane flying with people with COVID back to America to stop and turn around. 
So I don't see a CIA reason. I don't see a Yeah, it was confirmed reason. by the Senate in 2021. It was Biden who did it. It's a recent ambassador, and you're right. I did not know the answer. Did you, Dr. Bradley? Well, not Nick Burns, for crying out loud. I can tell you some of the others. I mean, before it was even an ambassadorship, it was George H.W., but uh, we had a former governor of ours, um, uh, John Huntsman, Jr., that, that went, and right. holy Hannah, talk about a worthless soul, an empty suit. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say those kinds of things uh, with such derogatory distaste and disdain in my voice, but uh, but you're absolutely right, Brad. I mean, these people are... Uh, they're they're taking up uh, space in, in a kind of a the State Department. There's there's no value there whatsoever. I don't right. see so, anything so, coming out of them. So Nick Nick Burns is probably there with his wife and kids. He has a driver, and if he has a driver, he has to have guards. He has to have a cook. He has to have someone clean his place, <laughs> right? For sure. Oh, well, plus they got the whole diplomatic corps that's there and the, the embassy, exactly, exactly. And, uh, et cetera, et cetera. This is a huge it's, undertaking. It's, it's massive. $500 million facility. But for, for what reason? I just, I mean, Sam, you said it really great, which is, you know, take all the entitlements away and then all the ones that are constitutional sort of, you can reinstitute them. I think what's happened is with the advent of the internet, changes in the world, the State Department has not evolved to take those into consideration. Um, if you want to get a visa and you're a Chinese citizen and your husband is an American citizen, there's not even a person you can talk to on the phone in China to ask for help, right? What's the purpose of the consulate, right? Except to help Americans, right? But I can't even call. so. We, we have some problems from a governmental standpoint, and, I, and part, of, part, part of the reason why I bring it up is because I think it's a good strategic initiative to just shut them all down, and then it sends a message to uh, all the Chinese people and to the Chinese government, we've had enough of you, we're leaving by. Yeah, and, and let's bring back only things that have a justifiable value to promote right. the sacred cause of liberty, to highlight the criminal behavior of tyranny. To literally focus on opening up the greatest economic engine the world has ever known based on free market principles, uh, to protect people around the world, to shame, because you can use the court of public opinion to shame the communist Chinese out of half of what they do, ladies and gentlemen. You really, really can. The court of public opinion is so critical, so vital um, that you can literally do this. Now, Nicholas Burns, no one knows who this guy is. Uh, the Senate just rubber stamped it, sadly so, in 2021. Biden put this guy in place, but I want to focus on your involvement with um, and experience with the Epic Times for a minute, because you do some Epic Times uh, TV stuff, etc. cetera. Uh, the Epic Times freedom fighters, if you will, started out in what? Communist nations, rejected communism, stood tall and has, have grown around the world as a result as championing, championing the principle, uh, the First Amendment in America uh, really is kind of the, the, the goal of the Epic Times around the world. Tell me about your experiences with them, and, and when you lived in China, how is the Epic Times perceived, et cetera? Um, Epic Times, you know, I'm very grateful for them because they gave, they gave me a platform to engage a lot of their, lot of their listeners who, who've, as it turns out, felt similarly to what we were saying. The, our approach is more of a solution-based approach as opposed to a, oh, my God, something's going, something is awful going on. Right. 
and uh, you need to ma be made aware of it. We are solution focused. And I think yeah, in my opinion, one precedes the other, though. They set the stage and then bring people like you in for solutions. So you first highlight the problem, document the reality and then say, all right, what do we do about it, Brad? And that's how that works from a press point of view, Brad. Right. And so it, when I was in China, that no one can access that from China unless they have a, a v, VPN. Um, so that's very unfortunate. Um, but, you know, it just dawns on me that I need to give. Uh, we should give acknowledgement to Johanna for introducing us. Um, Johanna. Amen. Oh, she's great. She is really wonderful. And I, I know she's probably not listening because she's so busy, but I want to, I want to pay my respects and gratitude to her. Um, but the, the, the Epoch times in us are going to be continuing to uh, become more deeply involved, I believe. Uh, in terms of, um, you know, raising these issues, uh, making making these issues more visible to people um, through writing and through um, through articles and stuff like that, and also on the air. And I want to talk to you about the, the weather for a minute because the weather is critical. And, you know, there's allegations that we can manipulate and modify the weather. I don't know if you know, back in the day, I used to interview a gentleman by the name of Nick Begich, who is a scientist who's written all kinds of books. He wrote books on the harp system, uh, which can um, – it was a huge radio antenna-type structure up in Alaska that could literally launch electronic uh, – Transmissions, I guess, is the way you want to say it. Transmissions based on certain frequencies into the ionosphere, into the jet stream, and make things happen. Uh, and um, now we say we hear that the Chinese are even further along in this weather modification stuff than we are. I bring up that balloon last hour and say that balloon was interestingly tracking along some of the most frigid temperatures we've ever seen in our lives. I wonder if that balloon was some kind of a repeater or magnifier or attenuator. Um, you know. It, it, Amplifier or attenuation, it depends. You can do both um, that can make things happen uh, in the ionosphere. And, and the, the balloon couldn't do it by itself, but it was con it was controlled by kind of a master control. And if it acted in concert with, etc. cetera, uh, my views are not extreme. If you look at the scientific uh, data that we've uncovered and developed uh, along these lines, etc. Brad, do you know anything about that? And did living in China give you any indication? I mentioned that because you mentioned that they, they literally marvel at blue skies. So they don't know anything about that. We'll get into the uh, environmental economic reality of this in a second, but uh, did you notice anything related to that? Um, the, the related thing is that the Chinese were doing a lot of work to seed clouds to foster rain in order to decrease pollution. Um, but it ain't working I, very well, I, is it? No, it's not. It's it's the 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 pollution is horrific. Um, uh, in most places, they, when it comes to the climate in China, I just don't think they they care at all, um, and um, they 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 don't just because the the CO two emissions and you know they they could have an impact by lifting their their pinky right. They're focused. If you ask a Chinese person, what do you care about? A little bit more pollution and a little bit more money, or less pollution and less money. The the answer is very clear, right? Uh, so I don't think they're 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 going anywhere, and I, I don't think what came into America that balloon was had anything to do with with the with trying to track the weather. Although 
I do feel I'm, a, I'm from Chicago. I'm a data guy. I'd love to have data on every ice glacier, uh, on all aspects of it, underneath the glaciers, everywhere. I'd like to capture the data to keep track of changes in weather and patterns, right? Um, because I don't know enough about the issue to know if it, it is even an issue. I bring it up because I think that the communist Chinese agenda is to weaponize every single thing they can in every aspect of everyone's life on the planet. Uh, and so that's why I believe that weapon, weaponization of weather or weather warfare is not far behind. Uh, I find that interesting. Um, but an, a coalition, for example, of more than 20 companies launched what's called the Climate Removal Alliance. CRA, just so you know what that is, okay? And the goal is to lobby the U.S. government to support the, quote, carbon dioxide removal, that's CBR, or CDR, carbon dioxide removal industry, okay? And the group argues that to limit the impact of global warming, it's necessary to develop an industry that is capable of supporting 3.8 billion tons. You heard me. 3.8 billion tons of carbon dioxide remove it from the atmosphere annually. That's up from the roughly 10,000 tons that have already been removed thus far. That's according to the CRA or this group. Now, I bring this up because while we let the communist Chinese, and when I say let, I know we don't control the communist Chinese, but we're literally, I mean, them as our most favorite nation trading partner. The world depends on China's output. So we're as guilty of it as anybody else. We let them literally toxify their environment to the point where they don't even know what blue skies are hardly, except for in photos or once in a while when you get one. It's like a blue moon for us kind of a thing or whatever. Um, but yet we're the drivers of it. We can pretend it's China, not us. We have clean energy over here, don't you know, or whatever lies. Um, but I bring this up because I look at this economic reality and say, we're the drivers of that. So on one hand, you get these 20 companies, a coalition of more than 20 companies that want to lobby the government so we can remove CO2 from the atmosphere or whatever, right? Remove what? CO2, what plants breathe, right? Or oxygen, or and they act like these things are the enemies, ignoring the real chemicals and everything else that are in China. As the weather gets manipulated or the weather, it literally affects us here too. And I look at all this and I go, man, what are we doing? We are literally using the climate to promote the communist Chinese party principles. Right now, lock everybody down, decide everything for everybody, Pedal propaganda and dishonesty. You can't, in all fairness, have 20-plus companies trying to clean up the air and take the oxygen and CO2 out of the air by the metric tons, billions of tons, is what their goal is. They claim it'll supply jobs and everything else while you let China just spew and then the weather to send it around the world. Uh, they're on crack from an honesty point of view, Brad. I, you know, I, I agree with you. They're on crack. And all these projects have already started. I mean, there's one that's invested by um, CLR, Continental Resources, where they, they build these, it's called Summit Carbon Solutions, where they build up uh, a capability to 
to take out the the CO2. And what if they get a tax credit, <laughs> then it actually can be quite profitable. Um, uh, should they be doing it? I, I, I mean, I just I don't think so. But if that's the way they want to go, I mean, the, the thing is, even if they take out, if the oil companies take out all the CO2 out of the environment that they've produced, people are still going to be ha- unhappy with the oil companies, right? It's there's no winning ever. Um, and eventually what will happen is China will start getting in the game and they'll buy some of these companies. And then when they're mature and they're efficient, maybe 20 years down the line, China will use them in China. Um, but it's just not a way to run an economy. But there's no way to stop China from polluting. That's that's the trick. But it, but we don't have to contribute to it. We can have our own you know world and our you know etc. Look, they want to take 3.8 billion tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere annually. That's their goal. And I look at that and I say, even if they're not using weather as a weapon, Dr. Bradley, when you make those kind of changes to the atmosphere, you don't think that there's going to be downstream repercussions we're not realizing or aware of or or cognizant of or planning for or this is a massive experiment that's never been done in the history of the world, Dr. Bradley. Well, I'm going to call Bravo Sierra to the entire program. Um, I I believe that there's th- this this is absolutely a complete facade in every way, shape, and form. We look at what, for example, when when governments let's look at whether it's the Chinese government or the Russian government and their five-year plans, their disastrous results when they do everything at these central locations. This dabbling and dinking around with stuff that's uh, that they don't have any of the connect the dots long-term ramifications involved. They don't have an understanding that whatever they do is going to have downstream, uh, probably adverse effects based upon how anything government touches, if it's not supposed to be in it, it withers and dies. It becomes a death sentence. And basically what I believe this whole thing is about is about controlling and tyranny. I believe that the... The people that are doing these things have realized, hey, man, if we can control the environment, we control every aspect of everybody's life. I mean, they do this with health care. They do it with economies. They do. It's an effort to gain ascendancy over everything else. And, and what's more comprehensive and universal than atmosphere and, and environment? I mean, it, whether it's the water you drink or the air you breathe or the grounds you, you grow things in or the things you manufacture, everything has to do with environment. To me, it's a centralization of all power everywhere. And it's kind of like what the Utah legislature is doing right this very second. Even as you and I are talking, they're trying to take control of the water for the entire state and be able to declare an emergency, and suddenly the government seizes all power and distribution of water. Well, if they can declare an emergency over a, a Nazi Germany that so-called has invaded the land and destroy economies and lives and health and everything that we hold dear, they get rid of habeas corpus, they lock us down. So they declared that, and, and people went along. So now they're saying, oh, we can declare an emergency over water, or we can do it over the atmosphere, or we can do it over guns. We've got a, an emergency because there's a plethora of mass shootings. They can shut anything and everything down 
by declaration of emergencies, and that's the program they're doing. It's a program of tyranny. It's a program of control. And like I say, I'm calling Bravo Sierra on the entire thing. They do not have an idea of how to go about it, but they're going to maximize the power they have over everybody. That's Roger that, but the downstream effect of tampering with the weather like that, you can't take out tons of something and expect nothing to happen. Our, our guest, Brad Good, China expert, thechinadeclaration.com. We continue in seconds on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. The Federal Reserve's preferred measurement of inflation reversed course in January, a sign that the Feds may have to be more aggressive in raising the interest rate expected in mid-March. The core personal consumption expenditures price index rose 0.6% in January and 4.7% year-to-year. Shortly after today's report, the stock markets began to fall. The Dow Jones this hour is down roughly 400 points. Standard & Poor's is 1.3% in the red, and the NASDAQ has lost more than 200 points of its value. On the one-year anniversary of the war, the United States announced a new round of sanctions on Russian firms, banks, manufacturers, and people this morning striking at entities that helped Russia evade sanctions. The action goes after alleged sanction evaders in countries from the United Arab Emirates to Switzerland. Deputy Treasury Secretary under Janet Yellen, Wally Adeyemo on CBS News explains how sanctions are working. Today, Russia has lost 9,000 pieces of equipment on the battlefield. Because of our export controls and sanctions, they're unable to build new tanks, unable to build new equipment to fight the war in Ukraine, and that's limiting their ability to get access to ammunition as well. Federal officials are reporting an overheated component on a rail car carrying plastic pellets was likely the cause of the Norfolk Southern train derailment earlier this month in Ohio. A safety alarm warning of an overheated axle and or bearing went off just before the massive crash. U.S. District Judge Amy Jackson ordered former President Trump and FBI Director Christopher Wray to be questioned in a pair of lawsuits against the Justice Department and the FBI by Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. The former agent's text messages gave Trump the proof how the FBI was being politically used against his administration. The lawsuit is about alleged privacy violations stemming from the leak of those messages. This is USA News. Hi, this is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. When the prospect of divorce becomes a reality, you need a partner that you can count on. If you're a man in this situation, consider contacting Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men navigate complex legal matters for 30 years. Contact Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firms online at CordellCordell.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Online at CordellCordell.com. CordellCordell.com. Nothing fights the winter blues like a delicious and satisfying meal. Luckily, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to stock up and fill your freezer with flavor. Save on perfectly portioned favorites, easy meals, and so much more with Omaha Steaks Freezer Filler Sale. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $30 off your order. That's $30 off an endless variety of gourmet choices. Visit omahasteaks.com, use promo code TREAT at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required.
Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Brad Good with us. The China Declaration is what we're talking about. We have got to have an appropriate strategy when it comes to China, ladies and gentlemen. TheChinaDeclaration.com is his website. Check it out. Incredible solution-oriented information available for you now. Uh, so, Brad, I was asking you um, on the break just to give, kind of set it up for you to have a chance to think about everything. I look at this and I go, you know what? All things are leading to war with the communist nation of China. You know what? We are on this trajectory uh, for war. I don't want it. I'm not, I'm not advocating for it by any means. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, but I do see um, eventually if China flexes its muscle and takes over Taiwan, China seems to be flexing its muscle and has, um, you know, communist Chinese police stations right here in the United States. Uh, everything they're doing seems to be this global control, international control, ladies and gentlemen. And I know you wrote the book called The Control Center, so that might give everybody kind of an uh, indication of what they can look up to learn more about you. The Control Center is the name of the book. Um, but are we going to be headed for war with, with China? Is there any way to back away from that? Is there anything that, that solutions-wise that the American leadership, Congress or otherwise, uh, are doing that can back us away from this? I, I pray it isn't true, but I predict that that's where we're headed, Brad. Right. So, so. China's mindset and the mindset of the Chinese people uh, is that, okay, great, they have some great equipment and great training. But remember, a lot of the equipment, if not all of it, uh, has been stolen from Western countries. And when you steal something and you're using it, it breeds an internal sense of insecurity, right? You question your own ability. And I think that, that China would be incredibly reluctant to go into a war with America that has so much vast experience in, in military operations and they don't have any experience. But when it comes to Taiwan, um, the, the, what we need to do is pay attention to the next year um, and uh, the election in Taiwan. If there's someone who's more pro-China <laughs> elected, they may just uh, have a negotiation and, and decide to unify. In a friendly unification, um, the the United States believes it has the capability to prevent any any war from happening, or the repercussions would be devastating to China. And I just I'm like that's after the fact. Um, Taipei is only eighteen thousand square miles, as opposed to Ukraine that's two hundred and thirty three thousand square miles. It's a small place. It's only hundred and ten miles away from China. It would be easy to, um, uh, uh, you know, encircle the island, right, and then to ask for uh, 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 unification terms from Taiwan. And remember that people in Taiwan, they right now the economy is not so great. Combining with China wouldn't be that horrible. So that's not beyond the comprehension of what could happen, although I don't hear anyone talking about it. The reason I asked the question is I mean, because there's a headline. Yeah. There's a headline that says where Air Force General predicts war with China in 2025, tells the officers, uh, Defense Department, I guess it's um, Brigadier General Patrick Ryder is the one saying this. And I look at that and I just go, whoa, I guess he's a press secretary. Um, referring to this or whatever i look at this and i go what the heck are we really that close i pray not uh dr bradley 
You know, I um, why would China want to do this? I mean, they're picking our pocket daily, hourly, moment by moment. I mean, they're degrading. They're they're buying. They're degrading the whole United States economy, the status of the nation. The the uh, we're degrading ourselves militarily all over the world. We've sent more dollars and equipment to Ukraine than than it's probably fifty percent more than than what Russia spends an entire year on their military operations. We are just. We're attrition. We're wearing ourselves down. It's like being on a grinder. We're taking the metal off, you know. Sparks are everywhere, and we're, we are just imploding. And, and I, I look at the, the China's in the catbird seat right now. I mean, how could it be better for them in terms of how we have, have set ourselves up? And, and China, why would they? Right now, I mean, there's efforts to buy huge swaths of land. In the United States, I mean, they got buckets and, and barrels and containerized things of American money that we've sent over there. They're trying to spend it in our country. You know, they hang on a little bit longer. They'll own a huge swaths of our land in the United States. I I think that it's a um, it's it's probably not as eminent as a lot of people are trying to make us feel. We got to prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. But I think one thing that that could be a friction point is I believe that uh, the Ukrainian thing is going to push Russia to make a closer alliance with China. And, um, you know, the people talk about Ezekiel 38 and 39 and the Gog and Magog thing and all this kind of stuff being set up for the last day's uh, conflagration. But I don't know where China fits or anything like that in that for sure. But the fact of the matter is I think that as we are having this surrogate war, in the Ukraine, an unconstitutional, completely unjustifiable surrogate war that, again, is, is greatly debilitating the United States military capability, uh, causing huge uh, growing deficits. Military-industrial complex is winning, and, and, and Russia's, Russia's not going to lose that war. Russia's going to say, huh, I need to push myself into China a little bit. We need to have more buddies on our side because certainly... The NATO alliances on this surrogate war with Ukraine, I've got uh, Ukraine a lot of buddies. I think I think Putin uh, probably this spring is going to get together with China and say, hey, guys, how can we collaborate a little bit on this? I think some of the stuff we are doing is exacerbating the problem. But if we, if, uh, if we didn't push stuff like that, I think China would be foolish to go to war. I think Brad has a good point. They've well, stolen I, hope their I hope you're right, but the general thinks so. Many experts think that we're on a collision course, and, you know, they're picking our pocket. But if we start doing what Brad's talking about, we really put together a comprehensive, cohesive strategy that literally says, hey, China, you're not going to do that anymore. Hey, people might start taking the gloves off, right, Brad? Hey, I, I, just before Brad does that, I just got to say, look who's saying these things. I mean, these are the military-industrial complex. This is the establishment. This is the agenda everybody that holds an office right now at the most senior ranks they're all political hacks they're in the middle of this and they say what the, their their masters tell them to say and i think that we've got to take with a grain of salt a lot of the things that are coming from the most senior offices because they've been compromised by their wokeness and everything else that has been encouraged for so long that i think the united states military is is 
being degraded at every level, including their wolfness and their senior leadership. They deselect for patriotism in the most senior levels. So, so I, I don't know. Um, China's, China's kind of got us over a barrel, and I think if we don't start doing some things like Brad's suggesting, I, I think that uh, we'll, give the, we'll give the country away. They'll, they'll buy it out from underneath us if they, if they had to. I don't know, Brad. I interrupted what he should have been your conversation, but uh, oh no, not I, at all. I, it's, <laughs> yeah, um, I, it's just it's just not gonna not gonna happen. All our strategic initiatives are are non-military, right? And sanctioning the committee members, you know, closing the embassies, maybe removing sovereign immunity for fentanyl as a justification, et cetera are all non-military. Um, and I don't think that will combine force and military response. Um, I, I think if China is kind of like a little bully that thinks they're really tough and they really don't know that they're weak, um, even again, they, 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 they only have what two aircraft carriers, right? Um, and I, I think that the military sometimes says some things because they want to make sure that people are worried so they get more funding to build up. And I think that's probably the cause of that recent comment, because I don't think there's a, a real I hope you're right that it's that Taiwan. simple. But, but I look at the Ukraine and Russia situation, and we're basically back in the Ukraine. China's starting to back Russia. Uh, that doesn't look good for us, relations-wise. I used to have computer programmers work for me in Russia. Now they refuse to work for me. Uh, so, you know, we're starting to see a split in the world um, that seems to be very, very scary indeed. Where that's going to lead, I don't know, but we've been funding the, uh, you know, communists forever. And now if China decides to usurp control over Taiwan, then what happens? Are we going to say, oh, one China policy, no big deal? Are we going to say, hold on a minute? Both the United well, States so and would, Taiwan would be very concerned, right? So if, if, if you go and you ask a Chinese person, when do you think China will invade Taiwan? You know what happens? They laugh at you because they already think of Taiwan as part of China, one of the 23 provinces. And um, so they really want it. The question is, when will they do it, right? And how will they do it? And again, after this upcoming election, I think it's May of two, 2024, they're going to see who's elected, and they're going to try and do something that's that's a that's a soft landing. I don't think it's going to be a military operation, you know. Although in one of my books, I've written four books that are based in China. In the fourth one, uh, China uh, basically embargoes uh, Taiwan and then throws down hundreds and thousands of paratroopers and <laughs> takes it over in a matter of minutes, hours. Uh, I think it can be easily done. And I think the U.S. has little in terms of um, uh, response that they can do. Remember, China went in and took over Hong Kong, right, before the 50 years was up. And they did it with, you know, zero problems, right? Taiwan would be even easier. Yeah, not a shot was fired. I mean, this is how we lost Czechoslovakia. I mean, and and I, I just keep coming back to it. I mean, look what we're doing here. By Maybe you haven't seen the news, but by a supermajority, both Republicans and Democrats, the lawmakers in South Dakota Senate 
voted down a bill that the governor wanted that would have created a panel to review foreign land purchases. This was absolutely aimed at China. Oh, and my the, God. The, the state legislatures are saying, yeah, we want their investment. We'll sell out our state. I mean, we are idiots as a people. We, have, we are led by lessers that have no clue about the value of a sovereign nation. And, and so the House, uh, I think, probably has to vote on this. I'm not positive, but I know the Senate in South Dakota, supermajority. They said, no, we don't want anybody to look at foreign land purchases in the state. Uh, we, no, we want to. Uh, no, we, we, we'd love to have the investment of China. And China is specifically the one that was doing it in South Dakota. Now, this is uh, we have people in high places that would sell us out. And uh, and so we do need to awaken the people to a sense of their awful situation and have the people of the country begin to, uh, I, I think, say to the people that represent us, hey, no, we're, we're done with this. We're, yeah, so we're they done. tried to it's merge with Mexico for the, the America or America whatever it was, the European Union, the American Union or whatever, uh, that got North American Union. Par- partially. But yet, yeah, they changed the name of it, too, by the way. That's why I was hesitating. Security um, Par- Pro- Prosperity Partnership, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, and you look at that and you go, wow, they backed away. Now are they just going to try to then go ahead and merge with China then? If we're not going to be at war with them, are we just going to embrace them? Uh, and, uh, you know, whose principles are we going to adopt when you do that coin or that side-by-side comparison of ideologies that I started out this discussion with? You kind of go, mm, you know what, this isn't going to go well. Uh, so you guys are saying, hey, we're not going to have a war with China. Um, we're already at a uh, war with Russia, even though we pretend we're not. It's an undeclared war, of course, constitutionally speaking. Uh, but the reality is we're at war with uh, Russia right now, right? And they're trying to link up with China. I mean, so there's a lot of risk things. We used to do this analysis, and I've told you before on the radio, Sam, about how probably 40 years ago I had some insights of how this kind of tussling was going on at the international level because of some things we were involved with as a, a national defense contractor. But but the fact of the matter is we have, uh, we've, I think Brad's approach to raising the awareness, understanding, looking for things that are, are uh, absolutely not going to, I don't think they'll result in a military operation. Uh, so, I, you know, let's, let's try this. Let's see what we can do. I mean, I'm not... Uh, I'm I'm not a belligerent militaristic kind of anything. Everybody should know that, but I just don't read the tea leaves right now. That China's in a position or a desirable uh, has a desire to take us to task. They're <laughs> we're shoveling everything to them that they want. Why would they stop? Uh, they don't have to fire a shot. They don't have to take any risk. It's not going to have any detrimental effect on their economy? Nothing. So Yeah, as long well, so, as we march so, peacefully so, towards that communist agenda, I think you're right. But if we decide we're not going to march to that uh, in time here, things could change on a dime is one of the things to remember uh, as well. Brad? Well, see, Blinken says to China, hey, don't you dare give anything, you know, sell weapons and stuff to China. Okay, This is like the epitome of just a horrible strategy. Right. If they backed up and they said, hey, the strategic objective is to uh, prevent any influence of the CCP on China and outside countries. And then they, 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 again, stick to the initiatives. China would be scared. China would be so concerned. Instead, what we have once again is a balloon policy, a Taiwan policy, a Russian policy, and none of it 
is an overarching strategy with strategic initiatives. And that's why this administration, and to be perfectly honest, Trump uh, had Pompeo, he had Rob O'Brien come out and talk about the evils of Maoism. It, it It wasn't enough. No one has come up with a clear, concise strategy. That's the big problem of the situation we're in right now. And if we had that, we wouldn't be worrying, worrying about the land purchases, which, by the way, China does need more food, right? They're a huge importer of food. It might be benign, but we don't trust them, and we shouldn't, and we shouldn't allow them to buy land. So, All right, two, two other questions before the end of the hour I want to get to. China, uh, years ago, uh, when kind of playing tit for tat, Uh, with the United States. In the New York Times, they talked about China might exercise the nuclear option. And they didn't mean that in terms of nukes. They meant that in terms of finance. Uh, You know, where are we at financially speaking if the Chinese do try to play the nuclear option and call, uh, claim, do what's due and et cetera else? You know, what what do you think is going to happen with that? If they don't go to straight war, but they do go to kind of a nuclear financial uh, battle. That's what we've kind of done with Russia. We've said, let's shut them down. Let's, uh, you know, try to control China or Russia uh, with the economy. You know, if we try to do that with the Chinese, you know, who's the bigger loser? I think both sides would just have a financial bloodbath, first of all. And instantly the people might to some degree go into the dark ages because uh, we wouldn't be able to produce anything. Brad. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that what you're referring to and what they were referring to are their treasuries that they hold. And it's like. One, it used to be one, one trillion, and I think it maybe it's gone down a little bit. And they could they could sell those treasuries, and that would cause a financial calamity. And what I would say to that <laughs> is that again, I fall back to my strategy. I would be declaring sovereign immunity and allow people to sue China for the ills they've created. Okay, so for example, I would even make it IP related as well all the, the parents that have had a kid die of fentanyl should be able to sue China, right? The source of the ingredients and they're letting it go over. And we should claim those treasuries, right? Um, to pay for that. And if we can prove it, we should, we should uh, charge them for any sort of losses due to delaying and informing the world uh, as it comes to what happened in Wuhan. Um, I don't think China will do that because we could kick China out of the SWIFT, out of the the, the Belgium-based uh, international Yeah, the SWIFT is the international system. transfer of funds yeah. capabilities. It's called SWIFT, just so everybody understands what he's talking about. Right. We could kick them out, and that would devastate them. That's the nuclear option. We hold it, not them. We hold it for well, now, but as the petrodollar seems to melt down, we hold less and less, Dr. Bradley. Well, you know, there is an effort to change the, uh, you know, the reserve currency of the world and put it in a basket and all that kind of stuff, and there's a big movement for that. But Brad's right. I, uh, the last I heard, we, it was just over a trillion of our national debt is owned by China, so it's not like they, they could call do our entire national debt. Um, but, but the idea of uh, all of this stuff, I think, is more likely to happen than a shooting war right now. All of these tussling matches, the efforts to change the reserve currency, it's its an economic, it's an intellectual uh, kind of thing, and it's a war of words and, and kind of a, uh, 
it's a it's a you know trying to win the hearts and minds of the people and and to uh stay uh kind of like we're the good guy and they're the bad guy kind of thing is what's happening right now so i don't see a big war happening i i would like to ask a question too i know the time is fleeing us maybe sam's question could preempt mine but i earlier in the first hour i asked you brad about uh the leverage points of people that come to the united states from china you said your wife was chinese i presume she was born and raised there and she probably has family there still are you guys feeling any stress pressure you know what's going to happen back home if if i get too you know mouthy about this thing i write for the epoch times or or I uh, maybe this uh, petition you're, you've got out there starts to grow legs. Uh, is, is somebody back home going to suffer, or is your wife going to feel like they're under pressure? I mean, where does what does this affect you on a personal level? I guess is my question. Right. So the the, the influence of the Chinese government is felt without the Chinese government doing anything here. My wife is very concerned. Okay, first of all, I won't be able to go back to China, which is not a big deal. But my wife, like, she wants to be able to go back and see her family. And she doesn't want her family to be harassed. And as the president of the China Declaration, she said, there's no way. She's not going to risk it. So she's divorcing me out of fear for what the Chinese Communist Party could do. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So this has right? had a huge impact. This has had a huge impact on your personal it's, life. It, and I have to think you're kind of a, a not maybe not a poster child, but you kind of get the idea that this is probably not all that uncommon. I mean, for for people to feel well, that exactly. kind of stress in their personal relationships. Yeah, I exactly. I, so I, like it's I say, a self it's a self enforced mechanism, right? Yeah, I uh, I've got like I said, I've got friends that uh, have ties, even even. One of our good friends has family members that are members of the Communist Chinese Party uh, back in China. And and I just have to think it has a chilling effect and, and may even affect the way they do some of their business here. It may be, uh, hey, look, I did this for you guys back in China, so don't be too hard on my family back there. And it, and it calls into question maybe even some of their loyalty on things because, you know, when blood is thicker than water <laughs> and when family's at stake sometimes it's a hard decision you know and and so wow that's amazing your wife is actually divorcing you to prevent any splash on her family back home yes that's amazing correct correct holy cow and and i'm like well See, Sam, my attitude is what i'm doing is is too important right to back down man have, have you got any um, children and, no. <laughs> I was going to say, how does no. it affect the children? Uh, I mean, the children would be considered to be leverage points also. I mean, if correct. you had children. Well, depending I mean, upon I, where I, they I'm are. just saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if they want to go see Grandma and Grandpa or something, or maybe, you know, or, or if they have, you know, aunts and uncles or whatever. I mean, this is how brutal it gets. I mean, when and, and you put it down to the personal level, uh, there's some really high prices to be paid and and i as i look at your petition showing some of the price that's been paid by some ethnic groups and so on there and the, i mean the tenement square americans don't have any idea what happened in 1989 i mean the 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 casualties that happened in the, this is a brutal regime in so many ways and 
and they've got this smiley face that they put on, and and we put all sorts of Chinese material in our homes, which is getting harder and harder to avoid because honestly, um, almost everything's made there. We've shipped, I mean, everything steel. Yeah, we, basically we've comes literally through a given Chinese. them the the control and the war coming, ladies and gentlemen. I know Scott yeah. and. Uh, and uh, Brad don't believe there's a war coming, but I believe there is. I, I think that we'll eventually be at war. I think we'll eventually have a World War III. How it breaks out, where it starts, the timing, I don't know. But I, I don't believe we'll have peace going forward. I wish we would, but I don't believe we will. But how does the average Chinese citizen that may not have any experience with America really view Americans, uh, Americans and America, Brad? Um, every, the average Chinese citizen... Um, in their wallet, in their purse or back pocket, they have a $100 renminbi or yuan. And the picture on that bill is of uh, Mao Zedong, who killed uh, over 50 million people. And they don't have the slightest idea how many people he killed, <laughs> right? So they're delusional, not delusional, that's the wrong word. Their knowledge is really focused on their own life and their own family. If it doesn't impact them personally, or their family, they don't care, right? I mean, they like America because they like it for the movies uh, that, by the way, are all for free, right? Because <laughs> they, they rip off and they take all the movies and all the music is for free. Um, so they have a very positive view. They do think America is arrogant. I was in a meeting and had a guy come up to me at a very evening meeting and he goes, why did I give Thad to South Korea? <laughs> and I'm like, and he kept pushing. I'm like, it wasn't me. And it, if it weren't for America, you'd be speaking Japanese. <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You want to learn more about Brad Good and what he does. Check him out uh, at the Epic <coughs> Times. He's a writer. He's on Epic TV uh, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brad Good is his name. TheChinaDeclaration.com is his website. And he puts together this incredible book, The Control Center. I'm telling you right now, a stand-up guy with real solutions to solve the uh, pending troubles with China. As we negotiate that right now, it's pretty important to listen to somebody like Brad who knows what he's talking about. For Dr. Scott Bradley, Brad Good, and Sam Bushman, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.